Okay, good morning, everyone. Good morning. My name is Yumiko. I'm one of the pastors at Wellspring, and it is good to worship with you,、uh, especially because you know, I was away for most of the October, and it's great to be back with some props. So, hopefully, you enjoy that. <laughs> Now, I feel a, a lot of pressure to have a props in my sermon. <laughs> it's actually fun. So it, we're in a sermon series now called "At the Table," and this series we've been reading the Old Testament, and we're actually close to the end of Old Testament. So yay!、Um, <laughs> but I don't know if you remember, we started with Genesis, and in the beginning,、uh, we had. Okay, let's see. Okay, these are the fun one: Adam and Eve. I don't know if you can see. <laughs> <laughs> they are kisses, so people can have them later. So they,、um, there was Adam and Eve in the beginning, right? And we read the story of Adam and Eve.、Uh, there was the fall, and after that, wrapped in animal skin, they left the Garden of Eden, and then there they multiplied, right? They multiplied, hada. <laughs> And then there was Abraham, right? God、uh, showed up with Abraham and said, "Abraham, your descendants will be more than this. Will be a lot more of you." And so it was. So multiplied more. Da. Okay, you fell. You come back. You guys can take this home. I have. I even brought Ziploc today. So. So multiplied, right? And there was the Exodus. In the desert,、uh, Moses and God made a covenant, and with that covenant, now God dwells among the people. Okay. So we read the story of Exodus as well. So now God. Dwells among the people, and this God took God's people, Moses and his people, to the Promised Land. Right? We read the story of Rahab and learn about them going into the Promised Land, and eventually, eventually, there at the Promised Land, the kingdom was built. In the kingdom, the second king Solomon built the temple for where God dwells. So, I can't build structure, but I can buy a lay. So, here is the temple they built. They made it very beautiful, very special for God. And the temple was built. People were living with the God dwelling among them. It was all good. But eventually, the kings and the people stopped following God. They still keep breaking the covenant, going, doing their own things, going about their own way, and not keeping the covenant. So eventually, God's glory left the temple. And here, let me put this down. And the temple was destroyed. Not only that, people 
were taken to different land, the land of enemy Babylon. Not everybody was taken to Babylon, but good number of people, especially royal family and aristocrats and the skilled people like Daniel was taken into Babylon. And we read um, the book of Daniel last week and Pastor Rebecca, as she had told us, people like Daniel who were taken to Babylon persevered even in the land of a lot of hostility and a place that wasn't really meant for them. This period of exile lasted about 70 years. And during these 70 years, people kept thinking, oh, I really wanna, we really wanna go back to Jerusalem. When and if we get to go back to Jerusalem, everything will be great. God's glory will be back, things will be better. And finally, the day had come. New King Cyrus came to rule this country and they said, oh, he said, oh, you guys can go home. If you wanna go, you can go home and take what's been taken from the temple. Take everything, go back to Jerusalem if you want. So they thought, oh, great. Okay, we're gonna go back. So some people went back. Not everybody came back to Jerusalem. Only some people came back to Jerusalem. But when this first group of exile came back to Jerusalem, what they found was very, very sad. Jerusalem wasn't what they remembered was before. Temple is still in ruin. City still is in despair. Economy is not going, harvest is not coming, people's lives are tough. And remember, they were here for 70 years, so there are some people who passed away while they were in Babylon. There are also people who were born in Babylon, growing up, never seen Jerusalem as it was before. So people had to start a new life all over in this city that's not really set up for economic prosperity or safety at all. People had to rebuild their life from scratch in this place, which they call a home, but really a new place for people. In this space and time, there's this guy, a uh, person named Zerubbabel. Okay, this is Zerubbabel. Doesn't have anything on it, just golf ball wrapped in a tinfoil. <laughs> So Zerubbabel, he's actually, um, even though he's just in tinfoil, he is a great person because he is in the line of royal family. He's a grandson of King Josiah, one of the best kings that they had. He's also a son of Jeho- King Jehoiachin, who wasn't the great test, but second last king in the kingdom. He's line, he's, he's basically the descendant of King Solomon who built the first temple in Jerusalem. So Zerubbabel came back with these people here and he said, okay, everyone, and you stay, okay, great. Okay, so everyone, let's rebuild the temple. Let's rebuild the temple so that God's glory will be back. And they're like, oh, great, that's a, that makes sense, let's do that. But nothing really happened. Nothing really happened. I think it was 18 years. I'm gonna double check on my note. Yes. 18 years later, there's another guy 
We actually don't know anything about this man. Haggai came to a story. He came back to Jerusalem as well. And he looked at it. He's like, there's no temple. I thought you guys were building the temple. There's nothing there. 18 years, they weren't able to rebuild the temple. So Haggai received the word from God saying, no, we need to rebuild the temple. And the people said, well, I mean, life is kind of tough. We don't really have food on our own table. I mean, we have a roof over our head, but things are really tough, Haggai. We, it's, we just don't have money. We don't have time. Great idea, rebuilding temple. Maybe not right now. But God spoke through Haggai powerful words and people were moved. So people said, okay, you're right. We need to rebuild the temple. So they did. They work hard. They work hard and they rebuild the temple. Tada. They did rebuild the temple, but it was nothing compared to what it was before. So people are sad seeing that. It's like, oh, this is all we got. And the worse, we rebuilt the temple, but God's glory hasn't returned yet. And then there comes another guy, Ezra. And he was in Babylon, and he received the word from God. So he took some people with him and came back to Jerusalem. And he saw what's happening in here. He said, what we need is not just coming back to Jerusalem, not just building that temple. It is us. Our hearts need to be changed. We need to turn to God, return to God, and God will return. Great idea. But nothing happened. So things going on, and I think it was, oh, sorry, between Haggai and Ezra, there's about 60 years, and Ezra came back. People turned their hearts, and then this, nothing happened. 13 more years passed by. And while this was going on, there's a guy called named Nehemiah who lived in Babylon. He studied the word. He was the but he was the one who studies and studies, studies what God has told them. And he came to be convicted. What we need is to rebuild the walls of the temple. So he came back and said, hey, everyone, God spoke to me. We need to rebuild the walls of the temple. And this time people were like, oh, yes, that's, an, that's it, that's it. So it only took 52 days to rebuild this wall. It took them years and years to rebuild the temple. It took only 52 days to rebuild them all. Ta-da. Not only that, Ezra and Nehemiah together said, hey, it's not just rebuilding this. It's not just coming back and rebuilding the temple. It's not just rebuilding the wall. We have to repent. So what they did, Ezra and Nehemiah together led, uh, led this covenant renewal movement. What it is, is they went to the public, they read the scripture, and people listen. People are like, what are they saying? And they get together, study what Nehemiah and Ezra is reading, 
And as they hear the words of scripture, as they study the scripture, they came to realize, wow, God has been so good to us all throughout. God has been so faithful every single moment of our group, our, our people. But we messed up. We weren't keeping the covenant. We are so unfaithful. We need to repent. We need to repent and change our heart. Spiritual renewal happened. Okay, I wanted to line them up, but they don't line up. But imagine them line up so nicely that they turn, all turn to God. That's what I wanted to show you. <laughs> their hearts were returned to God. They turned to God and they changed their lives around. Their lives are completely transformed. So you would think, right? Now that people back in Jerusalem built the temple, built the wall, and not only that, their hearts are turned to God. Surely, surely now God's presence will be back. God's glory will fill the temple. Still no. God's glory hasn't filled the temple yet. And what's worse, this spiritual renewal didn't last, and people... Soon after, people just say, ah, this, this thing doesn't work. I'm just going to do my own thing. And they just really changed their way to where it was. Now, that's a very quick and simplified version of the story thus far. The Old Testament and very quick summary of some of the books of prophets. Like, um, I think I covered a little bit of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Haggai. There is a lot in Old Testament, but there's a lot in each books of prophets, which we're not going to go through uh, at this series. But two things that I wanted to focus today is, uh, is that there's a two things that keep repeating, repeatedly coming back in many books of prophets. Two repeated theme that we see are, first one is the temple, and second is a pattern. So we're gonna talk about the temple, and a pattern today. The temple, uh, the prophets emphasize over and over and over how important the temple was, right? Haggai told the people that they need to prioritize building the temple over building on, on their own house. Nehemiah called people to rebuild the walls of the temple. And the prophets took the temple very seriously. And that's because God took the temple seriously. Why? Because temple was the space for God and God's people to be together. And it wasn't just this particular temple that people were trying to rebuild that God cared about. God consistently paid much attention to establish maintain and guard the space for God and God's people throughout the Old Testament. For example, God gave very detailed instructions to Moses how to build the tabernacle in the desert. That's a tent that held God's glory in it, right? And God did the same thing. God was very specific about the details uh, about the temple that Solomon built in Jerusalem. That's the temple before this that got ruined. In the same way, through the prophets, God repeatedly emphasized the importance of rebuilding the temple in the right way. 
God was very specific about the details and insisted that people rebuild with the right heart, with clean hands. Which doesn't mean, right? Which doesn't mean that God was being very particular or God wanted something special, nice for self. Right? I think what it shows is that God was being very clear about the priority, which is to dwell among the people. From the beginning, and even at this point of this history, after people repeatedly did not meet what God desired and keep disappointing God, uh, if, uh, even at this point of history of Old Testament, being with and being among God's creation was God's unchanging desire and absolute priority. And that's why God took the temple seriously and the prophets called people to do the same. Of course, the temple God wanted was not just a building structure, but it was the building with God in it. This is my, I'm not very gifted in art, so I was trying to draw as best as what I see in my mind building with God in it. You can draw however you like <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> I think some of you do better. But what it was is what God desired wasn't just a building, but a temple where God in it, where the temple, in the words of the scripture today, the temple filled with God's glory. Now, what exactly is God's glory? Um, is it the same thing as God's presence? What exactly is God's glory? Um, I'm going to try and explain it in an oversimplified way with my limited science knowledge. So bear with me, but I think this is the best one I can come up today. So you know the sun, sun, the sunlight sun, the sunshine sun, the sun. <laughs> There's only one that we're talking about that is very far away from us, right? It's so far away, like very, very far away. But even being so, so far away, sun emits heat and light so powerful that we can feel the effect, especially on this island. It's bright, we get color, we get all sorts of stuff, right? We get power and a free electric bill. So all great things come from the sun that's far away. In the same way, God had always been present from far, far away, but God is so powerful that even in a far away, people in the Old Testament can still feel God's presence. But God didn't want to be far away. God wanted to be among the people. God, that's why God came to dwell among this specific group of people, which is Moses and his people. But a God, couldn't just come and be among the people, right? Imagine if the sun decides, oh, okay, I'm gonna just shine from the Hawaii now. I'm gonna come on Oahu, and if sun lands itself in here, its power will overwhelm everything around it instantly. So powerful that people cannot exist around the sun. The similarly, it doesn't work for God to just, okay, land God's self among the people. It just doesn't work that way. So God needed to be in a special space, special space that could contain God's power without destroying everything around them. 
And these special places were tabernacle in the desert and the temple in the kingdom of Judah and Israel. God is for everyone and a God, God's presence can be felt by everyone, but the Israelites were the only people who had a God dwell among them, which made them very special. That's why, um, so the Israelites centered their life around this temple space and tabernacle, and it became the foundation of their identity. The temple filled with God's glory marked them as God's people. And that's why God took the temple very seriously. So that's, that's one thing we see in a repeated theme in the, books of, uh, in the books of prophets, God's desire and priority to be among, the temp among the God's people. Another thing we see is a pattern, a pattern of hopes and disappointments. Back in Babylon, people kept thinking when and if we return to Jerusalem as, as soon as we, another try with my uh, drawing, <laughs> that's supposed to be a pattern, <laughs> disappointment and hope. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> I thought it was clear, I'm sorry. Um, so, you know, people keep saying, oh, if, I, if we go back to like, Jerusalem, everything will be good. They had a high hope. They come here and it's like, Oh no, God's glory is not back yet, right? And then when they hear, and they hear uh, Jeroboam saying, the people saying, oh, we need to rebuild the temple. They realize, oh, it's not just coming back. We gotta rebuild the temple. When we build the temple, God's glory will be back. They had a high hope. And then when they rebuild the temple, they're like, oh, God's glory is not back. And they get disappointed. And then they hear somebody saying, oh, you just got to rebuild the wall. And then you rebuild the wall and nothing happens. And then when prophets say, no, you need to return to God. So God will return to you. They're thinking, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It's not just coming back to Jerusalem. It's not just building the wall. It's not just not building the temple. We need to return. Our hearts need to change. And then they do that and still God's glory is not back. Another disappointment. That pattern of hopes and disappointments is another thing we see throughout the books of prophets repeatedly. And this pattern and cycle of hopes and disappointments actually reminds me um, of when I was young and single. <laughs> uh, I think many of you know only me, uh, many of you only know me as a married person here at Wellspring, but this married life is a very new thing for me. I've spent my 20s and 30s and a half of the 40s as a single person, single woman, and that is a long time to be single. And <laughs> I know some of people like really enjoys singleness and they see it as a gift. I did not. So from early age, I knew I wanted to marry and I wanted to, well, I wanted to meet nice person first and marry that nice person <laughs> in that order. But you know, I realized, I think it was my late twenties and thirties. I realized, oh shoot, like all my friends are married or engaged or seriously dating to be married. And I'm like, oh shoot. I guess I just gotta, 
I just gotta change. I gotta make some changes. Uh, this being wonderful yomiko isn't cut it. I don't know why. So I get, I'm thinking, okay, it's time for me to roll up my sleeves and get some action. So, so I tried. <laughs> Holy action, <laughs> just to be clear. So I tried many things, right? You name it, I tried it, and I'm happy to share my story. It's kind of funny some of the stories. <laughs> But you know, one of the one of the first thing I did is you're supposed to write down what you want in your future mate. You're supposed to write down. You pray over it. So I was like, okay, Okinawan. <laughs> I just wrote all these things, and I pray over it. And I was like, okay, this is gonna work because God didn't know what I wanted. Now that God knows, right? And it doesn't work. Surprising. And then I thought, like, oh, somebody said, oh, you know, you just gotta be content, content in your singleness. So then I was like, okay, that sounds good. So then I, I, you know, because they said, oh, that's when you're really content. That's when God's gonna bring someone. So I thought, oh, okay. So I started doing this thing of when people ask, oh, you like one, like, are you interested in dating? I was like, um, I don't need to meet anyone. I'm open because I'm really content right now. Back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, God, am I content enough? I think I'm pretty content. It's your time to bring someone. And you know that doesn't work, right? And all these things I tried, and I get discouraged. And people around me so kind. They're always trying to encourage me, saying, "Oh, don't give up, Yumiko. You're so wonderful. You meet someone. You know, the right person's right around the corner." And I heard it so many times that I started thinking, "Why is this?" Corner, because he's taking his sweet time turning this corner. I'm gonna go and turn my corner myself and find him there. I mean, it went on like this for like about I think 20 years. So I tried many things, and every time I went through hopes and disappointments. Every time, and it's actually a lot less comical than I made it sound today. And every single disappointments are a lot more painful than I just shared. And it got really hard when, after so many hopes and disappointments, when I started to wonder if God had forgotten about me. I knew that God loves me. I knew that God exists. I never doubt that. God blessed me tremendously in those twenty, my twenties and thirties, with my seminary education, my ministry, and my friends. I had a great things going because God has given all these things. So I never doubted that God loved me, right? But I started to wonder. Maybe because all my friends are married. Maybe God forgot that I'm still single, or maybe God forgot that I wanted someone in my life. See, I couldn't wonder why God does not respond to my prayer. I started to think, does God want me to be single for the rest of my life? Even though I really, really, really don't want to, and I told God. Over and over, I want to be married. In case you forgot, maybe God somehow think that's the best for me. And I thought, like, well, I thought God loves me and wants the best and perfect plan. Is this what's perfect looks like to you, God? Is what I was thinking. And the hardest question that keeps coming back was this: Is God going to come through? Is God really? Going to come through for me. Now the situation 
where I was in my 30s and 40s is very different in so many ways from the situation where the people of Israel found themselves so many years ago. But I wonder if the people of Israel back then and I, and maybe some of you, went through too many cycles of hopes and disappointments. And I wonder if all at one point in our life shared a similar question, confusion, and doubts. And maybe ask that question of, is God really coming through for us, for me? And that's where the book of Malachi comes in, which we will read next week to conclude this series. But as the people of Israel went through the cycle of these hopes and disappointments, what they brought to God's table was the disappointment, honest disappointment, but also the question, God, are you really coming through for us? Are you really coming back? And at that table, what God had brought was the word we find in Haggai chapter 2, which is today's passage printed on your bulletin. The word that God brought to the table was, I am with you. Be strong. In today's passage, we see God speaking to Zerubbabel and Joshua, two leaders of the first group of exile, and to the people of Israel through the mouth of Haggai when they found themselves in a cycle of hope and disappointment and doubts. And God reminded them that God was with them, even though the temple was destroyed and the God's glory was not there, even though God felt so far away from the people, God was still there with them, even though they may have wondered if God, would re God had abandoned them and when and whether God would ever return to them. To them, God told, be strong, be strong, take courage to believe that a God was with them and a God would return. And these words of God, we're not an empty promise. Because Jesus did come. In the end, it wasn't the temple that Israelites built that brought Jesus. It wasn't the walls of the temple that brought God's glory back to this earth. It wasn't the spiritual renewal that brought God's glory to Jerusalem. It wasn't what people did. What brought God's glory back to this earth was God, Jesus. God bring Jesus, and Jesus built the temple within and among us, humans. See, God's desire to be with us, to be among us, prevailed in the end. So, let us go forward from here from the wisdom, from the books of prophets today. Take courage, 
to believe that God is with us, even when our life just keeps repeating the same cycle of hopes and disappointments, endless cycle, seemingly endless cycle. But take courage to believe God is with us in any situation that you may be in and we may be in. And for that, we give our praise and our thanks to our God. Amen.